Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light Shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but If you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Incline. Kevin Klein, as you could probably tell since I'm hosting the show right now, he's on vacation in Italy, so... He's probably dead asleep right now as we record this. So you're stuck with me, Jake Reiner and David Rosenthal. And before we get to David, your Los Angeles Dodgers are 29 and 14, and they had the chance to be the first National League team to reach 30 wins. But that benchmark will have to wait at least one more day as the Dodgers lost the final game of a three-game series versus the Nationals. one nothing today it was a heartbreaker. But despite l- losing the last two getaway games against the Phillies and Nationals, the Dodgers have won eight of their last 10 games. And of, as of Wednesday, they remain one game ahead of the second-place San Diego Padres. So thank you, Brewers. Um, the Bats have been on fire lately, even though they didn't score a single run Wednesday. They went 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position, leaving a total of nine runners on base. So with all that being said, let's bring in my colleague, David Rosenthal. David, tough loss today, but overall, you can't really complain about this team. What do you want to start with? Yeah. So before I, we get into this, uh, it was a tough loss. Uh, I think they were over 19 or something crazy before the last inning with runners on uh, runners on base before Lux got that single, but all in all a successful series in Washington, the offense looks great. We'll get into Mookie Betts, who is probably the front runner for MVP at this point, him and Machado, but Since Kevin is not here, I'm going to start the show a little bit differently. Uh, We usually do this segment at the end of the show, but I'm going to do it at the very beginning. And what I'm talking about is the idiot of the week. Wow. Right off the top. Right off the top. It's, it was, I had a nice night last night. Uh, If you follow me on Twitter, you probably know what I'm talking about, but my idiot of the week is none other than San Francisco Giants ace and Steroid user allegedly tested positive, 80-game suspension. Logan Webb is who is my idiot of the week, and let me tell you why. So naturally, I will shit-talk the Giants on Twitter because I'm a Dodgers fan, and I shit-post half the time on Twitter. Most people don't take it seriously, but apparently Logan Webb did. Uh, I tweeted two days ago, I'm delighted to inform you that the San Francisco Giants are terrible. Uh, That was tweeted after they blew a couple games. Not a big deal. Yesterday... I did a follow-up tweet where I posted that they blew a six-run lead. They ended up coming back to win that game. So what did I say? I said, still terrible. They blew a six-run lead in two innings and needed 17 RBIs from Jock and a classic Mets choke. 
to get by. Division will be a two-horse race, implying the Dodgers and Padres, unless Logan Webb brings his friends to his steroid appointments again. <laughs> now, this has kind of been the running joke uh, that everybody's you know using steroids or they're cheating since their magical season last year. I didn't think too much of it. I didn't think it was that crazy of a take. I've honestly said worse. 12 minutes later, I get a DM from Logan Webb. He had apparently searched his name on Twitter. Saw 12 my minutes. 12 minutes. I timed it out 12 minutes. He says, come say that to me at the field, brah, or are your seats too high for me to hear? To which I replied, bro, I tweeted that 12 minutes ago and your game just ended. Are you okay, man? To which he replied, you probably played high school ball, huh? Just not good enough, question mark. To which I said, I did. No D1 offers, unfortunately. I probably should have considered dehydrochlormethotestosterone now that I think about it. <laughs> that was the substance he tested positive for. I couldn't even say it. It's too long of a word. Needless to say, he's an idiot for trying to come in my DMs and play the tough guy. It just wasn't going to work out. Once he sent that second text, it was he, he put that on a T for me. And I, frankly, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I'm very proud of that comeback. So thank you, Logan Webb. Uh, you are stupid for even caring what people think, especially someone random like me. I'm not even some kind of big time reporter or, or anything. I'm just some guy on Twitter. So maybe focus on getting back to form last year than sliding in random people's DMs. I thought it was funny that he he really thought he did something. Like he really thought. Oh, he, he did. Yeah. That he put yeah. you in a body bag. No, he, he for sure like thought he was going to like strong arm me and intimidate me and get me to say, oh, I'm sorry. I was just kidding. Like I respect your game. No, I, I, I don't respect cheaters. He, he insists he, he shouldn't have tested positive for it. And he was citing a Ken Rosenthal article and all this stuff. I don't care. You tested positive. I'm going to make a joke about it. You can cry about it, and I guess you can cry about it in my DMs too. Yes, and uh, Logan Webb, the starting pitcher on the mound for Game 5 of the NLDS last year, which the Dodgers won. And uh, yeah, so I think there's a lot of uh, sour, definitely a sour taste in his mouth. Oh, yeah. But yeah, apparently that steroid comment struck a nerve. So if you're on Twitter, be careful because he'll find you. Also, go to Dodgers Way because they posted an article about that. I don't know if you saw that, <laughs> I saw David. That. I but did they, see that. We are uh, we are associated ridiculous. with fan sided. So uh, Dodgers Way, which is which is the Dodgers uh, website uh, uh, section on fan sided, uh, they posted an article about David. So go go check that out. Yeah. Um, so let's right, talk, let's get into it. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about Mookie Betts. Uh, I mean, this guy, he you know we we know he leads the majors in runs scored with forty four. The next closest guy is Aaron Judge. It's not even close. Um, he's hitting 290 on the year, 12 home runs. It feels like it came over. It came it, the 12 home runs came over the last yeah. three games, uh, 30 RBIs, 957 OPS. He is lighting the world on fire. And up until Wednesday, he had scored in 12 straight games. That's the longest streak in the majors this year. And it ties an LA Dodgers record with Rafael for call. Now I think that streak ended today because he pinched, yeah, he did got get a pinch in the hit opportunity, yeah. and that was kind of lame. That that's kind of how that streak ends, but that's just baseball. Uh, over his last seven games, he's hitting 440. He's slugging over a thousand, four homers, ten RBIs, on base percentage of 533. Um, and then just as uh, recent as Tuesday, in that nine to four win over the Nationals, he went three for four with two homers a walk, four RBIs, and of course, two runs scored. What more can you say about Mookie Betts? I mean, this just kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, I, it kind of dates back to when he was had to clarify that he's not a vegan anymore. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it the, the, the timeline lines up, and I don't know if he decided to not be a vegan at that point or he hasn't been a vegan, but nonetheless, he's raised his OPS over 200 points in about 10 days, which is pretty nuts. Uh, his last 15 games is an OPS of 1,300, seven home runs. And he just looks like Mookie Betts again. I mean, we've talked about that on this podcast before. Post-2020, so 2021 and the very start of this year, he didn't really look like the Mookie Betts we saw in Boston and in 2020. And that certainly has changed in a very short amount of time. Uh, 
Uh, This is the guy the Dodgers paid for. This is the contract the Dodgers gave. This is the guy. Yeah. Uh, He is obviously benefiting as well, having uh, Freddie Freeman and and Trey Turner right behind him. That one, two, three punch is, I I don't see how it's not the best in baseball. Uh, And he's benefiting from it. He's, I mean, he's, he's lighting it up right now. He's 81st percentile hard hit percentage, 91, 91st percentile chase rate, and 91st percentile whiff rate. So he's seeing the ball super well, uh, and it's we're seeing the results. Not to mention he's throwing runners out left and right. I don't know why anybody runs on him anymore. Um, in the Phillies series, I believe it was Odubel Herrera. He was out yeah, by that was tragic. A country mile. So yeah. that did that didn't make any sense, but uh, we know the defense never slumps with him, but it's really great and encouraging to see him just absolutely tear the cover off the ball. And, and that's kind of what I've been wanting to see from him. You know, um, over the last couple of years, you know, Kevin likes to make the argument that, oh, he was an all star last year, but he really wasn't. Uh, yeah. and, 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 and even his on his, for his standards, he wasn't. Um, this is what we've been waiting for this sort of um, ungodly ability to just wreak havoc whenever he steps into the box. And that's what he's doing right now, whether he's leading off an inning, a lead off home runs, whether he's coming up with runners on base, that bottom of the order we've talked about gets on base a lot. So he's coming up with runners on base a lot. Um, and he's coming through and the power is there too. I think that is a huge part of it as well. Yeah. I mean, he's got 12 home runs and it's May 25th. I mean, I'm, I, I have to look up his stats, uh, what he hit last year, but I think it was in the 20s. Yep. Uh, so he's already on pace for well over 30 home runs this year. I mean, his career high is 32 home runs, already hit 12. He hit 23 last year. The next closest on the team in home runs is, is Cody Bellinger with five. So that's quite a gap. And you got Freddie Freeman on the team. You got Muncie on the team. You got Trey Turner on the team. So he's really carrying the load in terms of power. I think over the last several years, and this predates Mookie, obviously, we could, you could consider Justin Turner the heart of this Dodgers team or the heart of the order, so to speak. I, I think Mookie has, has taken that, that mantle this year. And I know it's a, a, you know, a short sample size, but just looking at his production and what he does to the outcome of, of a game every single time now that he's caught fire, he is the heart and soul of this team because – and the lineup, because when he's going like this, the team goes. And the Dodgers, like I mentioned, have won eight of their last 10. The offense looks great. We'll get into the pitching a little bit later. But that lineup, when you have Mookie, Freeman, and Trey setting the table at the top of your order in the first inning, I mean, that is a nightmare for a starting pitcher to go up against those three guys. And Mookie is just leading the charge. And I think that that is, that is so key in this Dodgers order. Yeah. The one thing that I did notice, and this is actually comes from him directly is he's not as quick and fast as he used to be, at least on the base paths. And he said it after a game, he was, he interviewed, he was interviewed by uh, uh, Watson or, or I think it was Watson, Kirsten. And uh, he, he literally said it. He was like, I forget the quotes I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said like, the legs aren't there anymore. Like that's, that's literally what he said. And that's, it's very apparent. Uh, I mean, he's 29 years old. He's not you know, super old 55th percentile in sprint speed, but I've noticed at least on the base pass uh, or if he's on first base going first to third, second to home, it's not the same as it was two years ago, which is interesting. I mean, yeah. we know he had that hip issue. So I'm wondering if that's still kind of lingering or if this is just the new normal for Mookie Betts, he's just kind of transitioning into a new arc of his career. And I don't know if you remember, I believe, I believe it was in game two of the Philly series where he hit that go ahead double um, and he rounded the bases and it looked like he had injured himself. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> that one of the scariest things I've ever seen because he, it, he doubled over like he was in severe pain. And I was like, Oh my God, there goes the season. Um, so thank God he's not only healthy, but was able to uh, regain his, his, his hot hitting after that. Um, this lineup is is really resilient, and the majority the majority of the wins that we've seen recently, David, have be have been come from behind victories, and I yeah. think that that is something that you don't always want to be behind, right? 
you don't always want to get behind. And, you know, that has a lot to do with, you know, starting pitching and all of that, which has been great uh, recently. And, and we'll get into the bullpen too, which has been immaculate. Um, but just to show that this team can come back from any deficit, even in the Philly series where they lost a few games at home, they were coming back in those games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just great to see that um, with this team, that it's what we felt in 2017. It's what we felt in 2019 where no lead was too big. No, I mean, no deficit was too big. No deficit was too small. The Dodgers always had a chance. Yeah, no, I mean, it for sure gives off not quite 2017 energy, but, but almost 2017 energy. And I think the one thing missing is Cody Bellinger. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do think that is the, the missing piece in terms of Muncie too. the complete, yeah, the complete Dodgers, you know, 2017 energy. Uh, I mean, he has not been terrible, but he has not been good. Uh, right. He's, he's having some hits scattered here and there, you know, he's playing good defense, uh, he's getting on base to a degree, uh, but not quite there. And they're going to need Muncie or Bellinger to step it up. I mean, I think Justin Turner is is on his way to becoming productive again. Uh, I mean, he's not quite there, but he's he's definitely improved in the last week to two weeks uh, from how he abysmally he started the fir- the the season. So, months. I'm worried about Muncie at this point. I, mm. I think Cody Bellinger is going to be solid, but I haven't seen anything from Muncie and I have to wonder if he's really healthy and if he should have just gotten that shoulder surgery. Yeah, no, that it, it is, it is quite concerning at this point because uh, it's not like it, it's, it's not like he's slumping, right? It's like he, he's barely making contact with the baseball. And when he does, it's just not going very far. And so that's, that is, that is concerning as opposed to just, you know, making hard contact loud outs and that sort of thing. And, Oh, the ball's just not carrying or, Oh, it's just bad luck. He's really not hitting the ball. Well, and I was going to get into months a little bit later, but let's get into him right now. Um, the, the season he's hitting 150 on the year, three home runs, 14 RBIs. Those are Andrew Jones numbers right there. Um, 590 OPS. I'm referring to Andrew Jones on the Dodgers, uh, not <laughs> over yeah. his career. Um, yeah, this is scary. Over the last seven games, he's three for his last 26. That's a 115 clip, one RBI and six walks, which is par for the course for him. His on base percentage isn't terrible, but considering the fact it's that, all walks. Yeah, it's all walks. It's all walks. His on base percentage is at 327. He does, he is second in baseball in walks with 34. Juan Soto has two more at 36. Um, but then to cap it all off, it's not just at the plate. Uh, he made a huge, huge error in the final game of the Philly series that would have been a sweep had he just made the routine play at second base. He gets that ball, throws it over to first. The Dodgers would have won that game. Instead, he bobbles the ball to run score because he can't get to the ball quick enough to make the play at the plate. And it actually was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. But that guy, Roman Quinn, I believe, is lightning fast. And so he was able to beat the throw, but wow. I mean, the first thing that I thought when I saw that was I just, I wasn't angry. I just felt bad. I felt so bad for Muncie because of the struggles he's had at the plate. And not to mention in the previous inning, the Dodgers were up a run. They, they had pulled ahead in extra innings and Muncie came up with the bases loaded and less than two outs. And I, I mean, couldn't have, couldn't have gotten a better pitch to hit right down the middle, a cookie that he would normally just destroy. He whiffs. Justin Turner also didn't do anything in that inning, but the Dodgers had a chance again to, and I don't know what it is with the bases loaded in this team, but they can, they never can seem to score when it's the bases loaded in less than two outs, but it's terrible. It's awful. But Muncie just couldn't come through there. And then of course, when you're not going well, the ball finds you and it found him in the worst way. Yeah. Again, I, I, I'm with you. I, I do feel bad for him. Uh, I mean, with the addition of Freddie Freeman, he was kind of just put into that second base, third base hybrid spot. And you, you talk to major leaguers and it's tough to make an adjustment from playing one position every single game for the whole season to moving around the field. Uh, we saw that with Cody Bellinger when they were moving him from first to the out to center, to right, to first, we saw that affect his hitting. And I, I think it, he, Muncie was put in a bit of an unfair position. Yes, he's getting paid by the Dodgers. Yes, he should move over for Freddie Freeman. 
but that doesn't mean he, you know he's going to be a gold glove second baseman or third baseman. Uh, it's it's a tough spot, and ideally, you could move, you could just play Muncie at DH uh, if Justin Turner could handle the load at third base and not be a liability there, which he's not quite a liability, but he's not what he used to be on defense and. He's also older, so they want to keep him off his feet, and it's a whole thing. So ideally, the best you know defense that the Dodgers can throw out there is Lux at second, Turner at third, and Muncie at, at DH. Right. Uh, but Muncie's going to be thrown out there because pretty much because of Justin Turner, and yeah. it's it's a tough spot, and it is concerning. Uh, not during the regular season, but in the playoffs, you 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 do start to worry what's going to happen in the playoffs with this defense. Cause I'm not worried about the regular season at all. They're going to win a hundred games. They're going to win this division. Uh, that game is not going to be, you know, why they lose the division. I, I refuse to believe that what happened last year is going to happen again, but yeah, on the offensive side, it's, it's brutal. It is brutal. The only thing he has going for him is his eye. He's walking and he's not chasing pitches. 99th percentile on chase rate, 100th percentile on walks. Wow. So that's still there. It's it's the execution of the swings that's not there. Yeah, uh, like you mentioned, you got that cookie right right in his hot zone, where a year ago, two years ago, he would have deposited that in the seats, and now it's just he's kind of just missing everything, and and the just misses aren't even really just misses. It yeah. is concerning. And, and, the, and, the, and I don't know um, if you still have his savant page pulled up, but his, I would imagine his hard hit percentage is just not there or his barrel percentage is just 30 not there. second, 30 second and hard hit 74 percentile and barrel percentage. Yeah. That's just not, you know, that's just not going to cut it for what, for, for the production that he, that he has provided. And, and that's something that I think with Dodgers fans, I would, I would caution because I, you see a lot of, a lot of people tweeting about, Oh, send him down, bench him, that sort of thing. I, I'm against that. I'm against benching yeah. someone that clearly has earned the right to be there and also earned the right to struggle. And guess what? The Dodgers are winning. Uh, it's not like they're losing, even though he did blow it, blow that game. It was in the middle of a stretch where they had won seven in a row up until that point. So it's not like this team is, is struggling. And so they can afford guys to have slow starts like Mookie, who's now on fire, but they can afford guys like Muncie and Bellinger and Turner to kind of, and even Taylor to some degree can kind of like lay in the weeds a little bit and figure things out and make adjustments and all of that. But um, yeah, it's, it's a rough watch of the plate. It's a rough watch defensively. Uh, Gavin Lux, you know, as much as I love Gavin Lux, it is an adventure in the outfield. He dropped the ball today. Yeah, I mean, he caught. shouldn't be playing the outfield. I mean, he's yeah. playing the outfield by necessity. I mean, it's unfair to put him in the outfield to him. He's never played outfield before last year. So yeah. it's yeah, the lack of outfield depth is definitely hurting the Dodgers defensively. Uh, I'm wondering, the problem is if you call up Pilar and Lamb, you got you nowhere to send put him back it. down. Yeah. Exactly. So when you call them up, you, you want to have them here for the long term. So I don't know what the plan is for that. Uh, frankly, I, I mean, you could get rid of a pitcher if they get healthy again. Uh, I don't see David Price being a valuable asset to this team. You could call up another outfielder, but then you commit to a four man bench when you're really starting the same nine guys. I think it was 82% of the time so far this year. Uh, where you don't really need you don't really need four guys on the bench. Yeah, especially with the DH, and I think that's a good segue to one of our listener questions from Steph Cook seven twenty. He asks, with the thirteen pitcher limit coming into effect next week, May thirtieth to be exact, which pitcher do you think will be sent down, and which position player do you think we add to the active roster? And I think to that point, it's hard to add position players to this roster because of the things you just mentioned. The fact that once you bring up Lamb or Pilar, you got to keep them. And number two, it's about at-bats. I mean, the guys that are on the bench right now barely get any playing time as it is. We've seen Edwin Rios get a little bit more time at the plate, although since he's kind of been starting more frequently, he hasn't been hitting the ball as well. Um Hanser Alberto has been a little bit slower on, you know, trying to get productive, but he's barely played. He's barely gets any at bats. You're taking away an entire art form in pinch hitting 
because they don't do that anymore um, because there's no pitcher hitting. So what, what, what would you say? I mean, the, I think the, I think the question is, is a good one because it's, it'll be a, a definitely a question of which pitcher do you send down and, and who would you go with? Yeah. So my answers are going to be different. I, I think it's going to be Justin Brule who, who goes down or Mitch white, depending on who they need for a starter. But if it were up to me, I, I think you just, it's time to let David price go. I, I really do think it's time. Um, mm. He had one good outing. Uh, his next outing, he gave up a run. He can go one and a third. It's never really lights out. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll get the job done in, in one, two, three, but occasionally, but he just isn't, there's no role for him on this team besides garbage man. So if it was up to me, I, I would make the call to just cut ties with him. Uh, or I or guess try and trade him. I heard that that was possibly an, I can't imagine any team is interested in that. I, I just, even if the Dodgers pay most of the contract, I just can't imagine it. But like I said, I think it's going to be Brule or uh, Mitch white. Uh, they, they both got options. Uh, David price does not have an option, obviously. Uh, and in terms of position player, I, it might, they might go with lamb or pillar honestly at this point and just hope that they stick. But I think the safe option is to just go with Zach McKinstry, uh, who is already on the 40-man roster. You can call him up with no repercussions, keep Lamb and Pilar. Although I'm not sure, because each of those guys, Lamb and Pilar, have dates in their contract where they can opt out if they're not called up. Mm. So if that corresponds with this date, then I would probably imagine they call up one of those guys. Uh, But if it doesn't, I would imagine that we see Zach McKinstry, uh, because the only other position players on the roster – uh, have never even made their big league debut. Eddie's Leonard, Jacob Amaya, uh, Jorbit Vivas, and James Altman. So I think it's going to be McKinstry. That's tough because, I mean, if we're up, if we're up to me, I think I would go with Pilar only because of that outfield depth question, and we know he's a great outfielder, and he could definitely fill a hole for 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 us there, especially when, you know, if, if you want to sit Bellinger, if you want to sit Mookie, I mean, um, not, not just about the Muncie DH dilemma and the Justin Turner thing we were just talking about where, you know, then you wouldn't have to move Lux to left field. Um, and you could put Pilar out there and then you have an outfield of Pilar, Bellinger and Betts, which is pretty excellent. Um, it, it just, you know, it's pretty good defensively, but I, I, and, I, I get along that along those lines. If you, if you start using Pilar, that means you can get Chris Taylor involved at second or third, if you mm-hmm. need him to. Yep. That's a good point. Uh, I just worry with McKinstry because again, he's not a great outfielder either. Um, so yeah. anyway, uh, those are, those are questions to definitely continue to think about. So um, the next thing I want to talk about is, Trey Turner, we kind of touched on him a little bit towards the top, but this was Trey's return to Washington. Uh, the first time he's played against the Nationals at Nationals Park since he was traded by the Nationals at the deadline. I'm sure you remember this one. The Dodgers got both him and Max Scherzer, and uh, the Dodgers shipped out Kiebert Ruiz and Josiah Gray, among others, uh, to the Nationals. And I, I found it uh, interesting. Uh, Trey got a nice little tribute, uh, for game one, little video tribute. Uh, the fans gave him an ovation, kind of a weak ovation. I thought, uh, for what he gave to that franchise. But then again, there really wasn't that many fans there to begin with. Cause the nationals aren't really that competitive this year. Um, what did you think about Trey's return to Washington? I mean, I thought it was nice. I mean, he seems like a very, he's like Corey Seager with like 15% more emotion. They're both kind of yeah. just like, and more speed you know, yeah, like, and better defense. I can yeah. say that now that Kevin's not <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now that Kevin's all the way in Italy. Yeah. He can't, he can't retort me here, but uh, no, I mean, it was nice. I mean, it's always nice when someone like that goes back home, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think in terms of his long-term future, I don't know if it's with either of these teams that played today. I, I really don't. I mean, he's been very good for the Dodgers, yes. But is it $300 million, $275 million, $250 million good? I don't know yet. I mean, that's a lot of money you could allocate to multiple players, to 
possibly Juan Soto when he's a free agent in a couple years. I mean, that Soto seems like the kind of guy that Friedman would be all over. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what to make of it. And I don't really know what his future is long-term. I mean, I, I would be fine. You know, I think he's a very, very, very good player, but I also think the Dodgers have tons of options of how they could also spend that money and be totally okay at shortstop. I a hundred percent agree. I, I agree with you on that. And I think the Dodgers have the luxury of waiting till the end of the season to see what yeah. happens because a lot of things can happen, right? He could light the world on fire and become world series MVP and the Dodgers, you know, and then you're like, okay, well, we've got to keep this guy now. Um, he could uh, have a catastrophic, catastrophic injury, you know, knock on wood, hope that doesn't happen. Or he could shit the bed and, you know, not produce in, in the playoffs or, you know, not come through when we need him to and all of that stuff. I think the Dodgers have the luxury of being in a position of leverage in this situation, much like they were with Corey Seager. They looked at Corey Seager and thought, you know, we love Corey Seager. He did great things for us, but we, but his durability is a question mark. He's never really played a full season and uh, his defense is questionable. And, you know, is he, is he worth that much money that Texas is that Texas eventually paid him the answer I think everyone came to was no. So I think they're going to c- come across a very similar situation with Trey Turner this offseason. But it was pretty cool to see him uh, hit a two-run home run off Josiah Gray, the do- the guy that they traded uh, they yeah. traded for each other with Kiebert Ruiz behind the plate. Um, so that was and uh, Max pretty Scherzer cool. nursing a hamstring injury. Right, Max Scherzer uh, on the pine. Um, so let's talk about starting pitching real quick. Uh, when we when we talked about the Dodgers' uh, most recent losing streak when they lost five in a row, and that started in Pittsburgh and then at home against the Phillies, um, the starting pitching of Aria, uh, Anderson, Bueller, and Arias was just horrendous. The three starts in a row, they none of them pitched well, uh, and they kind of had to eat innings, and, and it was a bit of a, a trying time. So they've had two starts. Each pitcher has had two starts since that time, and they've absolutely shoved. Um, Arias today, six, run, uh, six innings, one earned run, a tough loss. They lost one to nothing today, yeah. obviously. <laughs> yeah. Four hits, three strikeouts, and three walks. And then previously, um, he went five innings, gave up no runs. That was a win uh, against the Phillies. Uh, two hits, no walks, and five Ks. When you look at Urias, when you look at Bueller, Anderson, and Gonsolin all together, their last uh, two starts each. They've at least gone five innings every single time, which is incredible. When you consider the fact that the Dodgers bullpen has been taxed, the the D- Dave Roberts needed them to ha- to provide length, and not only did they provide length, but they but they provided quality length. And uh, the, you can't say enough about about the job that they've done recently. Yeah, I mean, all four of the main starters, Anderson, Bueller, Urias, and Gonsolin, have been huge in terms of longevity. Uh, I mean, yes, going five innings is pretty much the minimum of what you require for a starter, but you see in today's game that doesn't happen all the time. Uh, and you saw Anderson go eight innings the other night, eight strikeouts, no runs. Uh, this dude, except for one start, has been, aside from Gonsolin, the most consistent Dodger starter by far. Uh, and Julio Urias, again, is just, steady Eddie out there. I mean, you know what you're going to get from Julio Urias and it's, it's nine out of 10 times going to be a six inning one to two run start. That's kind of what you get from Julio Urias at this point. Uh, Bueller on the other hand has kind of been a mixed bag. Uh, I mean, he gave up three runs in that last start in the first inning and then didn't give up a run for the next five innings. We talked about it last week. The fastball is not what we're used to seeing from Walker Bueller. And that's where he's getting in trouble from. We don't know what it is. We're not, you know, in the lab with Mark Pryor and, and Mark and Walker Bueller, but it's slightly concerning, but he's also good enough as we've seen the last couple starts to get by, even when that fastball isn't where he wants it to be. And that's exactly what happened versus the nationals. He didn't have his fastball had, had command, but didn't really have the, the movement and the zip and, and, and the, the normal Walker Bueller fastball, his, his go-to pitch, um, 
but he's a grinder because he's just that good where he can get by without it and, and still go six innings, three runs after giving up three in the first. And the curveball was working too. That was, was really helping him out during that start against the nationals. He was able to go to that curveball a lot because they were sitting dead red fastball. Fastball didn't look like it had a lot of movement, a lot of cut, a lot of, you know, uh, a mo- you know, late movement that we're used to seeing from him. Um, it just wasn't there. Uh, and so it is a little concerning. However, we did see flashes of that dominant Walker Bueller. Like you said, he settled down after giving up those three runs. At one point, he retired 11 in a row. Um, so he's got it. It's there. I think he's just trying to figure something out, maybe mechanically or whatever the case may be. Um, but we are keeping an eye on it, and I think we're cautiously optimistic as as we move forward. So the point, the good, the good news is, is that he won both of his pre, uh, last two starts, and he went at least five innings in both starts. So that's really encouraging. Um, the bullpen. Um, wow. Uh, since Trinan went down, it uh, we knew we were going to have to rely on some guys that we didn't think we were going to need to rely on, like uh, against the Almonte. Almonte. Yes. How nasty is he? I mean, Jesus Christ. He has some of the nastiest stuff I've ever seen. He looks like Blake Trinan out there. He's got the same pitch mix. He's got the slider-sinker combo, which mystifies hitters. That It's like the pitching ninja gif where they yeah. intersect and they go completely opposite ways. The tunneling. Oh, straight-up disgusto balls. I mean, this last 15, 15 games, uh, 15 days, he's got eight innings and one earned run. Uh, the one earned run was a big one. Uh, he went for the two-inning save after that. Uh, they took the lead in Philadelphia and couldn't, couldn't hold on there. But – He's been huge. He's been the horse of this bullpen the past two weeks. I mean, he's pitched in six games, uh, five games with eight innings. That's the most out of any reliever in terms of inning-wise by a lot. And I think his, he's super valuable because he's not a one-inning guy. He can go two innings, and that creates a lot of uh, wiggle room for Dave Roberts to kind of mix and match and, and, and preserve the relievers the Dodgers have left. Also, Gratterall's been better. Vessi has been great. Bickford's been great. Phillips has been good. Uh, Hudson has settled down after a couple of those blow up outings that he had. Kimbrell's been solid, even though he's been a little shaky sometimes in the ninth. Um, it hasn't led to a blown save yet, although I expect there will be a couple in there and Dodgers fans will freak out. Uh, and call for uh, Kenley Jansen to come back. Although Kenley, Kenley, yeah, Kenley just night. shit his pants last night. Bryce Harper took him deep, blown save. Braves ended up winning, but still didn't do his job. So the Dodgers have the third best bullpen ERA in the majors. First in the National League, their bullpen ERA is 3.08. They also lead the majors, which I didn't know this. They lead the majors in pitching staff ERA at 2.73. And they're one of only two teams with a team ERA under three the other team being the Astros uh, who are in second place on that list. So um, that's the thing about the offense that we've, that we've been talking about the struggles to Muncie, the struggles to Bellinger and all of those guys is that this pitching staff is so goddamn good that those guys can struggle and figure it out while, while this pitching staff carries them. And it's weird because if you look at this pitching staff on paper, you wouldn't necessarily think that they would be tops in major league baseball. Now, obviously you, you, you tell someone it's they're, they're on the Dodgers and they're automatically think, Oh, well, if they're on the Dodgers then they must be pretty good. And that's a pretty damn good assumption. If you say that these particular players are on the pirates, for example, you may yeah. not automatically think that they're going to be good. So that's my point there, but it just seems like every guy they put in there, the plug, they plug in new guys and they, you know, they're able to print new names on uniforms and it doesn't freaking matter because they go in there and they shove. And it's, it's a wonderful thing if you're a fan to get to learn new players every week and they're good every time. Yep. I mean, we saw it last year with Evan Phillips and a couple other guys, and now we see it with Yancy Almonte. And who who knew who knows who else is next? Uh, yeah. Because Tommy Conley went down, so I don't think we'll see him for a while, if at all, for the rest of the season. Uh, who knows? We'll see what else Andrew Friedman can cook up. 
All right. Another listener question to get to. This one comes from Rainman22. How long do you stay with Muncie and Belly? Now, he wasn't very specific on what he means by that, but I assume uh, either it's how long do you stay with them in the lineup or how long do you stay with them, period, on the on the roster? Um, I think the more uh, immediate question would, lineup be, is, would, yeah. would be the lineup. Um, how long do you stay with them in the starting lineup? My take is I think you stay with them as long as the team continues to win. Um, I know that it's, that it's tough to have, uh, someone like Muncie in the middle of this order. So maybe you restructure it a little bit. I know Dave Roberts has kind of been inching him towards the bottom of the lineup a little bit. Bellinger's kind of been a fixture at seventh. Um, so I think he's fine to keep there. I know they don't want to bunch up the lefties, so that's another concern, but, um, I think you keep them in there. I mean, these guys are, uh, professional hitters, uh, Muncie's been around Bellinger's been around the block now too. Um, I think you got to keep them in there to um, get more reps. And the only way they're going to get out of these slumps uh, specifically with, well, I, I would say more pressing with Muncie than Bellinger is to get the reps in there is to, is for them to continue to hit. And I liked what Roberts did with Muncie after that game in Philadelphia, where he booted the ball and lost the game, put him right back in there in the lineup, right back in there at second base, basically, Get that taste out of your mouth. You know, we got so many more games. We're going to need you for the long stretch, uh, the home stretch, the playoff stretch, any uh, any type of stretch you need. Um, they're going to need him for that. So I really, I really like the way you did that. But I think you got to stick with them for now. The team's winning. I agree. I don't think there's any imminent need to bench either of them. Uh, specifically, Bellinger is going to be playing regardless because you need him in the outfield. Oh, 100%. So if someone's going to be benched, sooner than later, it's going to be Muncie over Bellinger because there is no other alternative in center field. Uh, I mean, if you bench Bellinger, you're playing Lux in left field and Taylor in center field. So defensively, Bellinger is a lock to play. Uh, I also think he's been okay. Not great. Uh, he was on his way back towards the beginning of the year and then kind of tailed back down, trending downward. Muncie, I think you just got to let it ride. I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit. You can give him more days off than usual because you got Rios. Uh, but I think it's you just got to let it ride. Like you said, I mean, they're winning. If it's really coming down to it and they're not winning, then it's then it's if you bench him, then it's like you got to call somebody up uh, because you're not going to bench him if Rios is going to continue not playing well in a starting role. You're not going to bench him for someone who's also struggling. You're going to give someone like Miguel Vargas a shot. So for now, nothing's going to change. And I don't think it should hundred percent agree with you there. So let's talk about um, the upcoming schedule for the Dodgers. We talked about how uh, easy this schedule is in the month of May. Um, we've got a couple of teams coming up like the diamondbacks and the pirates. It seems like we're, we only play those teams. Um, so David, what, what do you, what, what are you thinking? Cause we got the diamondbacks coming up first. Yeah, so we got four versus Arizona and three versus Pittsburgh. Uh, Arizona started off the year playing above 500 baseball. Uh, I mean, they gave us a little bit of trouble. Uh, I think we took, what do we take? Three out of four of the first series, I want to say. Something they, like that. They, they took two out of three, I believe, okay, from yeah, us. That's right. That's right. Arizona. And then, we, then we took either two out of three, I want to say, or did we just sweep them? Uh, then we swept them. Okay. Um. Frankly, I think this needs to be a six and one uh, road trip. I think they're both road series. Yeah. Or are we back home in Pittsburgh? No, okay, we're, so we're back home in home. Pittsburgh. We're home against Pittsburgh. So yeah, regardless, I think this needs to be a six and one series for, you know, two, two team series. I think you got to take three out of four with Arizona and you can't lose to Pittsburgh again. You just can't. I mean, yeah. they just don't have, much they really don't arizona's got some sticks they got some bats in that lineup uh and kelly pitched has pitched well minus that one game against us uh gallon hopefully we don't have to face gallon again we will face Bumgarner, i think on friday that's fine yeah gonsolin uh Bumgarner friday mitch white uh humberto castellanos on thursday and tbd for the dodgers versus merrill kelly on saturday and Tyler Anderson versus TBD on Sunday. So that shapes up pretty well 
for the Dodgers. Uh, I didn't see Zach Gallon listed, so I think you kind of need to take three out of four at a minimum here. Oh, hundred percent. I think six and one is a um, a reasonable record. I think you you know margin of error one or take one of those games is a is kind of a fluky game, like what happened with Muncie at the end of the Phillies game. I think maybe you know maybe one of those things happens, but. Honestly, with the Dodgers, with the with the team that they have, they should go seven and zero, and that that's just the way it should be. Um, because you finish out this month, right? And the final game against the Pirates is actually we're getting into June, so that's June first, and then right yeah. off the bat in June is kind of it's kind of tricky. I mean, you got the Mets. Um, then you got the white Sox, which they're underperforming, but you never know that uh, that offense is insane. And they, and they've got some good pitching, um, that can, you know, do well on, on any given day. So I don't really, I don't really buy that. They're as bad as they are. They could be good. They could put up a good fight. Then the Dodgers got the giants, the, the giants always play the Dodgers well, and then they face the angels. So June there, it's a hot start to June. Um, and I think going into that, Ending out the end of this uh, month of May, the Dodgers just need to get these games. I mean, you just need to win these ones that you're supposed to win. Yeah. Just, you just have to. No, 100%. You need to give yourself a bit of a buffer uh, going into that tougher stretch where you play the Mets, the White Sox, the Giants, the Angels. Uh, they're up one and a half right now on the Padres and five on the Giants. So I think if you can get that lead uh, to about three three and a half over San Diego before that stretch. I think that's going to put them in a good position. Uh, Padres have been playing super well. I've said it the last two weeks. I think they are the real threat in this division. They're playing super well without Fernando Tatis. They're pitching well. Manny Machado was the front runner for the MVP. If it's not Mookie Betts, uh, the rest of the lineup's kind of been struggling, but I, I'm telling you, I, I don't think, I think what was supposed to happen in 2021 is going to happen this year. I agree. And it's, it's just going to be the Padres and not the giants. And yeah. that, that's going to be the only difference. The, the Padres have an interesting schedule. So they start out by playing the pirates. And if I remember correctly, the pirates did play them pretty tough. They played both of us pretty tough. Um, so that's not a gimme there, even though it kind of is, but then they go on to play the Cardinals and then the Brewers and then the Mets and so that's a tough schedule for them to start the month of June. So if the Dodgers are going to make a move, they definitely are going to need that runway at the end of May going in, going into June because the Padres have an equally tough schedule. Yep. Uh, it's I think it's going to be a good race. I think the Dodgers are going to take it, but I think the Giants tail off by late August. I want to say early September. I think they're pretty much out of the division race. Uh, and then I think it's going to come down to the last month of the season uh, with the Dodgers and the Padres. I mean, who knows what Tatis is going to be like when he comes back, but knowing him, I think he's going to be pick up right where he left off, at least offensively. He always does too. Yeah. Every time he goes out with an injury, he comes back like nothing happened. I mean, yeah, there's an argument where he's, you know, the best pure hitter in baseball when he's healthy. I mean, it's Trout and Soto, maybe Acuna, but I think, I think Tatis is right there offensively again not defensively definitely not defensively yeah but offensively exactly and uh yeah no it's 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 going to be a really fun race to the to the end of the season the nl west looks better than it has in in recent years uh just collectively um so that just about does it for us here uh oh i wanted to mention one more thing jock peterson out of his mind right now yeah um, he needs to stop he's just <laughs> but, stop it the one thing that you brought up with him one time that I've never forgotten is the dude could literally just, he just rolls out of bed. It can hit three home runs in a game. And he looks it too. He looks like he's never worked out a day in his life, um, but can just <laughs> swing a bat like no one's business. Um, and so he has these stretches where he just absolutely lights the world on fire. And that's what he's doing right now. Um, that, that Mets it's what he does. It's like, what he's always done. Yeah. He's just a hitter. He's just a born to be a hitter. Yeah, exactly. Just can't hit lefties. Anyway, uh, David, any final thoughts as we uh, round out the show? Not really. Uh, you know, I, I'm encouraged by the Dodgers' latest stretch. Uh, I mean, there's two games they should have had, that Philadelphia game, uh, and I think they should have had today. I mean, it was 0 for 18 or something with with 
runners on base today before the ninth. Might as well have been over 30. Single. I mean, it doesn't matter. They, they just they I mean, couldn't get any offense going anyway. That, yeah, that is bad. Yes, you didn't have Mookie Betts in the lineup. Yes, you didn't have Will Smith in the lineup. But you're still major league hitters. Yes, it happens. But look, the Dodgers are 29 and 14. They are two games out of the best record in baseball, who uh, the Yankees still have for now. And they are three or so they're 29 and 14 and the Mets are 29 and 17. So I don't know how the math lines up because it's weird in the loss column, but yeah, no Scherzer, no DeGrom. I think the Dodgers will not coast, but I think they'll have the best record in the uh, national league when it's all said and done. And they'll get that, the new buy. If I interpret the new playoff uh, scenario correctly, is it a buy or do we just choose our opponent? I still forget. I don't know. I can't remember. I think it's a buy. I think it's because, so there's how many playoff teams? So there's three division winners and three wild cards now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then six six and six then. Yeah. So is it the top two get buys? The top two records or the top two division winners? Is it the top two get buys and the other two play each other? Is that how it is? I don't know. They they uh, threw out too many scenarios for this. I don't, I don't like this. Yeah. And, and we didn't discuss this. We, we didn't discuss this pre-show, so we, so we sh- didn't have any time to do any research on it anyway. Yeah, um, and MLB just needs to stop changing shit, especially the baseballs. Just figure it out and stick to a format. But yeah. I, I think, ugh, I don't know. I think we just choose our opponent. I don't think there is a buy. Yeah. I'm like 95% sure we choose our opponent at the top seat. Well, let's go with that. How about that, Jake? Let's go with it for right now. It probably will change or we'll find out new information. Um, or maybe it didn't change and we just didn't know. Anyway, the, the point is, is that this is the end of the show and, uh, we want to thank you so much. I don't have any final thoughts. Uh, yeah. I like the way the Dodgers are going right now. I can't, can't really complain uh, about anything, uh, overall, but, uh, yeah, it's good. Good to be a Dodgers fan. Uh, please, uh, like, and subscribe, do all that stuff. Give us a rating. Um, we'll, uh, drop our handles in, in the description below and all of that stuff. Follow, uh, incline Dodgers. What, what do you got there? Okay. So I looked it up. According to sportingnews.com, the number one and number two seeds will get a buy. Okay? Okay. So, Good. yeah, that would mean three plays six and four plays five. Awesome. So I stalled enough for but, you to look that up. Yes, thank you. And just one quick contingency on that. The top two, you have to be the division winners. So it's best league record, and the two seed is the second best division winner. So if it was last year, the Dodgers would not have gotten the buy. just to make that clear which is insane. Yes. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for, uh, for listening to us. Hopefully we did a good job without Kevin. Hopefully he's enjoying some nice Italian food and all the good stuff in Italy. And uh, he actually has been watching quite a few games. He'll text us randomly. I didn't even know he was even paying attention. Yeah. We um, sent him good morning texts at like 9 PM our time. <laughs> anyway. Uh, thank you guys for watching and uh, yeah. Go Dodgers. I said, thank you for watching. Um, <laughs> That's let me try that again. <laughs> thank you guys for listening and go Dodgers. <laughs> Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.